Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. Well, I'm so excited to have on the line Bartholomew Broadbent. He's the owner of Broadbent Selections and Broadbent Wines. He was raised in the English wine trade. Not many of us get raised in the wine business. He is a famous father, Michael Broadbent, master of wine, was director of Christie's and a prolific wine author. So he grew up drinking good wine, Chris. Not that box wine that I saw growing up. <laughs> yeah, we don't he's, need that. Right. He's also worked in London for Harrods Wine Department, Harvey's Fine Wine Merchants, and has been around Australia at one of my favorite wineries, Yolumba. Oh. That's exciting. Then worked in France, known as one of the world's foremost authorities on port and Madeira. Bartholomew is credited for being responsible for the growth of port consumption in North America and reintroducing Madeira. Well, thank you, because I'm a big fan of port. (laughs) All right. So in 1996, Broadbent Selections was founded with a focus on family-owned wineries, just like your family business, Bartholomew. You've been named one of the 50 most influential people in the wine world by Decanter Magazine. Welcome to the Sipping Point. Thank you so much. What is it, other than being raised in a wine family, I mean, did you have a choice to be in the wine business, or was it just... Something you well, had to do. I, yeah, I mean, I, I was, um, I really didn't know what else to do. I should have been Hugh Grant. That's what I should have been, but <laughs> I wasn't. Um, no, I didn't know what to do. And I was um, not really encouraged to go into the wine trade because as a youth, I was a bit lazy at school and didn't really um, apply myself very much. Um, so after school in England, high school, boarding school, I did a cooking course and uh, then went to work in Cognac and was a tour guide and, and interpreter for Hennessy Cognac and um, gave myself food poisoning um, just after my cooking course. And uh, so cooking wasn't in it for me. So I went back to England and I uh, worked, as you said, in Harrods. And then I went off for six months in Australia and worked for Rothbury and then New Lumber. And then Whilst I was in Australia, I spent a few months traveling, and I spent some time traveling with Mark Hugel from Alsace. And his mm. enthusiasm, his enthusiasm, brushed off on me, and and I phoned home and said um, to my father, I think I want to go into the wine business. And he said, Well, as a matter of fact, they have an opening at, Har- at Harvey's uh, fine wine shop in Pall Mall, and so I sort of went over and got that job, and and ended up at the tender age of twenty, sort of being the main employee there and one of my uh one of my clients came in after a boozy club lunch and <laughs> i had to keep this guy quiet because we had the directors of allied breweries downstairs in the board meeting so i kept this guy quiet by um giving him a glass of sherry and uh shoving him in the, shoving him in the cupboard and locking the door and every 20 minutes i opened the door and filled up his glass and after five glasses he said they'd like you in North America, and it turned out he was consulting for some Canadians and got me a job offer in Montreal. And so I moved there just before I was 21 and worked for a company called Shenley in Canada. And one of our suppliers was a porthouse, and they, after about four years in Canada, offered me a job in 
um, in uh, San Francisco uh, to start a port company for them, which was called Premium Port Wine. So I did that, and uh, then I uh, reached a glass ceiling because I didn't marry the family's daughter and <laughs> um, met a girl called, well, met a girl from, I thought she said Virgin, it turned out to be Virginia. So I married her and moved to Virginia, where I now live after. Actually, we spent 21 years in San Francisco, and now I live wow. in Virginia. But um, so having reached that glass ceiling, I uh, started uh, broadband sections in 1996. And uh, initially, it was to just concentrate on Port and Madeira. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then previous suppliers from Canada came to me and said, well, you're not working for another family now. You can you can represent whoever you want. And I said, okay, well, all right, I'll do that. And I started representing wines too. And that's, that's well, basically how it all started. That's great. And some of the friends you had made in your previous jobs uh, maybe also came to you. So Broadbent Selections is an import company. Is that correct? Yeah. So we basically import wines from all over the world. We don't actually import anything from France or Italy because um, when I started this company, I wanted to have the best wines from each region and um, went to the emerging regions because all, you know the best French and Italian wines were already represented in America. So I went to places like New Zealand, Portugal, Lebanon, um, South Africa, right. and um, Austria, Italy, I and see. Argentina. Which, in 1996, New Zealand was very new to the wine world, uh, let alone the U.S. market. So we snapped up things like Spy Valley, which is now our biggest supplier from New Zealand. Great. And um, today, we're probably best known, apart from Port and Madeira and Portuguese wines, we're probably best known for two other things. Uh, one is South Africa wines. We mm-hmm. have the the finest portfolio of South African wines in the U.S. And also uh, Chateau Muzar from Lebanon, which is a, a really important Legendary. Wine. Legendary, yes. Wow. And I saw Aust- Austrian wines as well. I had a chance to travel over there, and I'm a huge uh, Gruner Veltliner fan. Oh, good. Well, we, we represent two fantastic producers um, Marcus Huber and Eric McIndall, and we also have our own brand, the Broadbent uh, brand, which is a liter bottle of Grunewald, you know, which is uh, good value and delicious. Wow. Well, I'm so excited because after the break, we're actually going to taste the first of two of your wines that we're going to taste in today's show, being the Vino Verde from Portugal. It's one of my favorite summer wines, and we met at the Charleston Food and Wine Festival, and when I found yeah. out you were Bartholomew Broadbent. I was really excited because I love this wine. So we're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk Vino Verde on The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. We're back with The Sipping Point, where we're here to explore the recipe for a delicious life. And today we're doing it with Bartholomew Broadbent, the owner of Broadbent Selections and Broadbent Wines. Well, Bartholomew, we just talked about how you got started in the business through your family, through travels and uh, just your love of wine and maybe uh, serving a few people in the closet. (laughs) But uh, Portuguese wines are hot right now. But for a few years now, I've been a big fan of your Broadbent Vino Verde. It's crisp. It's clean. It's got a little fizz to it. But really, it's not a sparkling wine. It's just, to me, a quintessential summer wine with a screw cap, which makes it easy to open. 
at any summer party. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about why you decided to make this wine and what makes it so special. Well, why I decided to make it because I was, I've always been specialized in Portugal. And um, at the time that we started this, uh, Vina Verde, which is such a delicious drink in Portugal, was not well known and not well respected in America because it's inexpensive. So the importers um, didn't bother spending great amounts of money on the shipping. So when it reached America, it tended to be rather flat and dull and then it would be on the bottom shelves in shops because it wasn't particularly exciting and everyone, um, and, it, and then it would sit there too long and it wouldn't move and it would just be, not, it wasn't good. So I realized that, well, this wine could be as good as it is in Portugal if you just put it in a refrigerated container. So that's what we did. Mm. And, and it took off and, and we're actually now, the Broadbent Vino Verde is now the third biggest selling uh, Portuguese wine in America. But it, Really? Um, yeah, and it's partly because it's so, you know, it's so delicious, but um, the, the label also helped a lot because um, 85% of the time people buy it for the first time is because of the label, the second time <laughs> because they like it. But my, the label, it's got a very distinctive label, which is a blue background with a, a sort of orange sunflower on it. And that was painted by my niece when she was four years old. Really? So really personal story, yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was a, a basically it was a Christmas card sitting on my fridge for three years, and, and <laughs> decided to use it. And, and she's now she's now sort of sixteen and saying, "Hey, where's my where's my commission?" <laughs> yes, but uh, but it's been a a great hit, <clears throat> and it is just such a perfect wine for the U.S. market because the U.S. market has been going away from high alcohol wines and looking for low alcohol wines, and this is only nine percent, and so you can drink a lot more of it. I um, like that. And, yeah, and, and actually, that's a really interesting thing to tell your listeners, um, the importance of alcohol. Um, let's say, Laurie, you take you drank a bottle of 12.5% alcohol wine, and the next day, and I know you could do that, the next day you drank a, <laughs> Never. a bottle of... <laughs> the next day you drank a bottle of 15% alcohol wine. The difference in alcohol levels of those two wines is about three vodka tonics. So would you drink wow. a bottle of wine and then ask for three vodka tonics you'd, you'd say no you're crazy but that's basically what you're doing when you're drinking 15 percent alcohol wine so uh, and another really good statistic is if you drink two four ounce glasses of wine that's 12 and percent alcohol you're probably under the dry, drink drive limit if you drink four uh two four ounce glasses of wine that are 14 percent alcohol you're over the drink drive limit so mm. alcohol is really important. So nine percent alcohol is that much lower than twelve and a half, right. and so it's a really, really good, uh, refreshing wine that you don't need to to worry so much about. Right. And so tell folks a little bit about so the style here. Even though this is considered a a, a still wine, I guess it does have a fizz to it. Uh, it Tell me about how that comes about, even though um, it's not, you know, a champagne-style wine. Yeah, no, it's, it's not fizzy like champagne, but it's really um, fizzy more like uh, many beers or maybe like Coca-Cola. In fact, this is mm -hmm. what we drink in Portugal instead of Coca-Cola, because it's got that slight spritz. It's not fizzy. And we get that by adding a little bit of CO2 to the wine as we bottle it. We keep the wine in compressed tanks, so it's very, very fresh when we bottle it. Mm. Um, and then just add the CO2, which gives it that little bright sparkle. 
Um, and it isn't, it's certainly not a, a fizzy wine, although I do know people who've used it in, in weddings instead of champagne because they don't like champagne, but they do like this. But I think it's a wine which appeals to beer drinkers and... Um, a broad variety. Uh, yeah, a really broad variety of people. And, and it sells in top quality restaurants as well as uh, some of the grocery stores and fine wine shops. It's, it's pretty widely available. If folks are looking to try more wines from Par- Portugal, other than, of course, the legendary wines of, of Port, the fortified wines, yeah. what other wines? Because I know a lot of the red wines are really uh, getting a lot of press. People are, are enjoying those. What should people look for? I mean, I think looking well, for a great importer certainly is a shortcut to finding great wine. And you you yeah. know, can find that. So, for instance, on his wines, if you turn the bottles around, even if it's a Broadbent or not, it will say imported by Broadbent Selections. But what else should people look to try from Portugal? Well, it's interesting that um, when you look at last year's uh, top 100 wines uh, judged by the Wine Spectator, Three of the top four wines were Portuguese, um, which is quite extraordinary. So there has been a huge uh, upsurge in interest in Portuguese and South African wines, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one who led the charge, who, who started the revolution, really, is uh, Quinta de Crasto. And Quinta de Crasto, uh, a few years ago, was number three in the Wine Spectator's Top 100 Wines. Um, and really, that sort of opened the eyes to people about how great the Portuguese wines are. I would look for wines from Maduro, D-O-U-R-O, which is mm-hmm. a river um, along northern Portugal, which goes through Spain and then comes out into the ocean at Porto. Uh, but Douro wines are the, the most interesting and exciting wines in, in Portugal. And they're basically universally pleasing. They go with a lot of different foods, um, if you like. Bordeaux or Cabernets, you're going to like Douro wines. Oh, I love that. And uh, so I use importers as a way to find new wines because I consider you guys like a private buyer, you know, that you're out there vetting all these different wine companies and just choosing what you think, as you said, are the best. I know your your focus, as I understand it, is family-run wineries. How do you decide... What's going to make the grade for broadband selections? I mean, yeah. What's the process? Well, obviously, the quality of wine has to be paramount. It's got to be the, the top, top quality. Um, but the other thing that, to me, is equally important is the, the people that I represent. Um, you know, I don't represent middlemen who are sourcing wines. I only represent families. I don't mm. represent big corporations which uh, make wines and commercial wines. So all of my wines are family owned um great and because families families have their own interests at heart and nothing else um whereas corporations big wineries make make mass-produced wines to keep shareholders happy and holders happy and family wineries the thing about family wineries is they have passion and the passion translates into the wine yep well hold that thought because we're going to come back after the break to taste the um Badenhorst family wines. Uh, one of the red. Yeah, we're going to taste their red blend with uh, Bartholomew Broadbent. We'll be back with the sipping point. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. We are once again back with the sipping point in Bartholomew Broadbent from Broadbent Selections and Broadbent Wines. Well, 
in the last segment, we tasted your Vino Verde, which I'm a big fan of for white wine in the summer. But now you also uh, provided us with a South African red blend from the Badenhorst family wines. So tell me a little bit about uh, the Sequitors blend that I have in front of me. Yeah, Sequitors. I'm glad you said Sequitors and not Cicatas because Cicatas <laughs> are a little bug, but Sequitors are the traditional um, grape uh, cutting scissors that wineries around the world use. And um, the sectors made by Adi Badenhorst is from a region of South Africa called Swartland, which is becoming the most exciting region for wine in South Africa. Mm. Uh, basically, it's an old wine-producing region where they used to make sort of sherry and port-style wines um, until apartheid, and then the uh, markets fizzled out. They couldn't export those anymore, and the vines just got abandoned. And then a bunch of um, wineries like uh, Adi Badenhorst and Eben Saadi, uh, who were making wines for these big, big wineries, um, had lots of experience but wanted to have their own thing, went to this region and found that there were the oldest vines in South Africa just being uh, growing wild and not really uh, being used properly. Uh, if anything, they were just being sold, the grapes being sold to cooperatives. So they went to these farmers and said, listen, if you promise not to pull up these old vines, we'll manage the place for you, we'll buy the wines, we'll, we'll sell it to you for more than you're, you're getting from cooperatives, and we'll start making our own wines and building our own wineries. And so that's what they did. And so now they have these really, really old vines, like from the 1860s, as far back as the 1860s, wow. which produce fantastic quality wine. The older the vine, the better, basically, when it comes to wine. And they have uh, more interesting varieties like uh, Rhone varieties like Simso and then Grenache, um, things like that, which which are just superb and incredibly good value. Uh, and the reason that's such good value, if you look at Napa Valley, the most expensive grapes are $18,000 a ton. Mm. Most grapes are probably about $9,000. Well, in... Um, Swartland, they're getting the grapes for $180 a ton, wow. which is a huge difference. You can imagine people say, well, how can you possibly get a great wine on the market like uh, Baden or Secateur's Red for you know, $14, and it, it tastes like a $50 wine from, from anywhere else? And that's the reason. They also make a brand called The Curator, which is probably the the single best value wine in the U.S. market at, at the moment. Um, you can get it for you know, about eight dollars a bottle. Wow, it's really, really, really good. It's good enough for me to drink every day at home. I love this because it has the you know the the blend here: Cinso, Shiraz, Grenache, Morvedra, and Pinotage, which is a very South African grape. <laughs> but yeah. it's got this peppery, smoky element along with red fruit that makes it really interesting and i think a great wine for grilling in the summer and um yeah. you know red meat and you know whether it's a burger something as as casual as a burger to even you know a, a nice grilled piece of of steak exactly in fact i had a nice steak on the grill last night with a bottle of it and it is just such a delicious yummy wine and you know, it's it's so so hard to find Great wines under twenty dollars, but that is really one of them. I mean, it's it's achieved more than ninety points in most 
for the wine publications. And they also make That's a great. white, a Chenin Blanc, which is equally good. Yes, and Chenin Blanc for white seems to be a really hot grape right now. And a lot, I mean, obviously we know it's not a new grape. The wines of the Loire have been making amazing um, whites, but it is, to me, the signature white grape of South Africa and getting yeah. a lot of press. Yeah, exactly. And and really, I mean, South Africa isn't a new wine region. They've been making wine for hundreds of years, and Chenin Blanc has always been uh, the, the predominant white grape there. It used to be called Steen, uh, but it, now it's, it's, they just call it Chenin Blanc. Yes. But, so what do you think... Um, you know, as we look out to what's going on and what's going to be the next uh, big thing in the wine industry, what do you what do you think the next big? Uh, I guess Moscato is sort of over, and <laughs> um, yeah. what is going to be the next? You know, red blends are really hot, so our secateurs is right in trend right now. Not that blends are new, but for Americans, it seems everybody's paying more attention to blends. Is that going to be it, or is there something else on the horizon that's going to be the next big thing in the wine world? Well, blended wines are always going to be more interesting than um, than single variety wines. Uh, I mean, maybe the exception to that is red Burgundy and white Burgundy, but you know, Bordeaux is always a blend. And mm-hmm. Blended wines are the, there's no question in my mind that South Africa is going to be the next big thing because they're the most dynamic winemaking country at the moment, and and it's a fantastic place to, to the visit. They all speak our language and um, they're all coming over here in droves to to um, to promote the wine. So I think South African Reds are in particular going to be a big, big thing in America. Um, Portuguese wines as well, okay. uh, maybe to a slightly lesser extent, but definitely they're hot right now. Um, you, we touched on Vina Verde in the previous segment and that's already big now, and, and it's uh, only growing tremendously. Um, I think the other big trend you're seeing today is uh, a reverse about turn back to lower alcohol wines. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 15.5% alcohol wines. In fact, we, I don't even sell them. If someone uh, comes to us with a wine that's that high in alcohol, right? Uh, well, we just don't take it on. It it's, doesn't go well with food and... and the lower alcohol is much, much better with food and much better for your health, too. Right. Well, I love this. So if folks want to connect with you uh, on social media, are you out there on Twitter, on Facebook? How can they connect yeah, with you? So, so I'm, I'm huge on Facebook. Um, you can follow me on – it's very easy to find. There's only one but Follow me broadband on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Perfect. And um, – and everything I put on Facebook actually goes to Twitter, so I wouldn't know how to post something directly to Twitter. But all my I try and put the most important Facebook posts uh, using the first 140 characters to get my message. Out. <laughs> Perfect. That so applies to tw- Twitter as well. But I put a lot of pictures up on Facebook. Um, people like to see pictures of my father, Michael Broadbent, and stuff like that. So we. Yes. We do that. And then I try and make it fun as well. So, yes, you're very fun and engaging, and I appreciate you sharing all this knowledge. If you go to broadbent.com, you can check out a lot more about Bartholomew and all of his wines. Uh, I thank you so much for being with us. And next time, since you're just a state away, we got to get you in studio so you and I can uh, tip a glass in person. How's that sound? 
Uh, that would be great. Yes, <laughs> maybe talk about Shafi Musa, the Lebanese wine. Oh, wine. I would love that. Okay, let's we'll, we'll get that scheduled. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Lori. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and we're back with the sipping point. Chris? Yes, I'm. I just did an amazing fundraiser oh, yeah? in, in Annapolis. Okay. At the Chartwell Country Club. Very nice. <laughs> we had a little fun with wine and laughter. That's always the best combination. But I always get people to give me their wine questions. Yeah. Because it gives us great stuff to talk about. I want to know what people want to learn it's more It's a complex about. world out there with wine. It is. Yeah. It is. But um, we had a great time. We raised a lot of money for a great charity called Benevolent Baskets. Great. Which put... Uh, women, homeless women, back to work and help them get back on their feet. Awesome. And uh, we had some wine and laughter and people gave me their questions. You have a couple there. What do we have? I do. Uh, question number one from uh, No Name. They didn't put their name on this one. Oh, of course. Here we go. How much do you have to drink until you look like you're 30 again? <laughs> <laughs> that's, Whoa. That's a well, me? question. Quite a bit. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what they mean. I mean, wine is a preservative. <laughs> it is. And an antioxidant. So in moderate Amounts yes. can be quite good for your health. Um, but, you know, one glass of wine, everybody always looks a little bit more attractive. And, you know, I think there's been studies on that. Maybe two glasses of wine, you feel like you're 30 again. Right. And that, I think I've, I've read that there was a study, it was like one or two glasses, people look better. Uh huh. After three, people look worse. <laughs> so there's a fine line there, people. Don't go uh, too far. Two Don't glass. go too far. There you go. All I have right. another really? question. What here. do we got real there? All right. We have Scott Wasilak, it looks like, uh, All right. from Seabright, New Jersey. Oh. There you go. Uh, why is it that when I walk into a bottle shop that there are hundreds of choices and no discernible way to determine which to choose? <laughs> you know, I feel the same way when I walk into a cheese shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are thousands of so different many types varieties. of cheeses from different origins. Right. I mean, think about the grocery store. Yeah. Same thing. We, we, we don't know a, everything about every product in there. Yeah, we live in an age where there are many options for many different things. There are. And especially wine variety and yeah. choice. We have a lot of choice here in the U.S., which is very different than if you go to other countries where right. really you only find wines from, you the know, in France area. or Italy. You know, that's mostly it. Well, you know, good point. And what the real deal is to learn a little bit more about your Taste, taste, what yeah. you like, you know, right. trust your own taste. You know, that's a big passion of mine so that you understand, hmm, I've had a couple Argentinian Malbecs and I tend to like those. So right. let me go look in that section. Yeah. Uh, if it's arranged by country, you know, you go to the origin. If it's arranged by grape, then you may need to look for Malbec, uh, that section. Okay. But the number one best thing you can do is find a great wine store and ask. And ask. Like, yeah. Wine World is one of our sponsors. Mm -hmm. I love them because not only do they have a vast variety of wines there at Wine World, but they have great people right. like Michael Cullison, yeah. Rachel Heron, who've been on the they're show many great. times, that are going to help you, and they're they're just down to earth. They're not going to judge you. Right. If you like White Zinfandel, that's what you like. Yeah, okay? they'll pick you out a really nice one. Exactly. Or maybe show you a Riesling that's a little bit sweet that you might like. Right. Or if you always drink Merlot... Yeah, maybe you try a Merlot from a different origin that you've, right. you know, you drink California, try one from Washington State. Yeah. So find a great retailer, sommelier at your restaurant, who's willing to work with you yeah. in trying new things and be open yeah. 
to trying new things. Yeah, absolutely. And something I've picked up from from doing this show with you is that, you know, if you like a certain type of uh, like a certain type of grape and you find one that you like from a certain winemaker, then maybe explore other wines from that winemaker in the exactly. same way or also in the same vein, uh, the importer. Right. right. Like, like Michael to... Broadbent. Right. Exactly. Uh, well, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, his son. But Bartholomew has all these great wines and he's vetted them. And if you know, you like, you know, there's Kermit Lynch, there's Marc de Grazia, who does Italian. Kermit, right. you know, started with French, but he's got wines from all over the world. You know, start learning about importers, right. and then you can kind of look at their portfolios and explore those. Or maybe it's you like uh, the the stuff that the Wine Spectator right. gives 90 points to. Yeah. Or in a few weeks, we're going to have an interview with Robert Parker. That's big time. Amazing wine critic. Yeah. Maybe you like his palate and what he rates in the 90s. Right. So you just have to find people to help guide you like the, the wine coach yeah. like the sipping point <laughs> um download my app it's yeah. free the one you know if you just type in the wine coach in the app store i've got lots of great wines out there we'll and follow you on twitter and every facebook week at we the wine coach stuff, instagram right? yeah we had two great wines this week both of these under 15 dollars delicious i really enjoyed them both i mean i i don't think you can go wrong so you got to get out there you got to test things you got to find good people to rely on right and That's do some way do, do some it. research on the internet too you can find anything anything you need true. on the internet. So, you know, maybe look around to some blogs and find people who have a similar palette and, and take their advice from there. I agree. I agree. There are tons of tools out there uh, for you to find what you like and what you need. Yeah, but we want to know what you need and what you want to learn more about. So yeah. if you have a question, if you have an idea for the show, please email me at radio at thewinecoach.com or you can tweet us up at Twitter at the wine coach. Mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at the wine coach. You're all over the place. Periscope. This is the new <laughs> deal, right? Yeah. We periscoped one of our shows recently, did, yeah. which is kind of like a live TV broadcast. So I'm also out there on Periscope. If you haven't checked it out, you need to. It's super fun. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of whack stuff out there, but there's a lot of great, <laughs> uh, great. Fun yeah. thing. So you can find me there as well. Anyway, uh, all the info from today's show will be at thewinecoach.com. I'm going to be yeah. around town. Guess what? June uh, 5th. June 5th. I am going to be at the Wor- Worcester Women's Worcester. Leadership Conference. Okay. That's in Massachusetts. I'm doing my keynote speech. You wow. uncorked the recipe for a delicious life. <laughs> I've, I've been there. It's a nice one. city. Yeah. And then on the 19th, I'm going to be at Crow Vineyards in Kennedyville, Maryland, out on the Eastern Shore. Okay. I'm doing my something to wine about comedic wine tasting right there at the vineyards. Beautiful place. Please join me. Just go to the wine coach to get the winecoach.com to get the info but beautiful weather yes we're leading into summer it's beautiful time and time it's for some beautiful no food. time like the president to get out there to the oregon grill if mm-hmm. you love great food great wine cocktails they have it all whether you are inside in the dining room outside on the patio or even just in the bar they've got specials Every day of the week. Yeah, an amazing brunch with that bacon-infused vodka Bloody Mary. Yeah, they want you to come out. Give them a call at 410-771-0505. Tuesday nights, 25% off all bottles of wine in the bar. You cannot beat that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Honestly. Anyway, check them out. Uh, It's casual, in the bar. You do need a jacket. Okay. You do need a jacket. But you don't have to worry about parking. Yes, you don't have to worry about parking at all. And they're going to treat you... Like a rock star. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back on The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. Great show today with Barb. 
Bartholomew Broadbent. Next week, we'll be back to explore the recipe for a delicious life, as always. But special thanks to Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, Wine World, The Oregon Grill, and Hair of the Dog Wine and Spirits. Without them, we wouldn't have a show.